iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. About a year ago, I was in this cab, and the cab driver, he said, the key to your life is gratitude. You do not give enough thanks. And I said, well, how do I do that? And he said, simple, say thank you. What do you do when you're not here? I sing. Sing? Songs? Yeah, songs. What do you do? I write. Words? Yeah, words. <laughs> this kid got separated from his mom on the train. Well, take him to the police station. What are you doing? They're going to help you. Not cool, dude. Not cool. Can we stop running? I'm almost 30. You know, I'm not crazy about that shirt. Why? I'm your boyfriend. Well, if you find the My Man's a Hot Stud t-shirt, Christmas is right around the corner. He looks like he should be making balloon animals at birthday parties. <coughs> I'm serious. I'm not going to sleep with you. I made a New Year's resolution to not be such a whore. How's that been going for you? I'm totally freaked out, and I don't know who else to tell, and you're my best friend. You're a mess. I'm a mess, too. So let's clean each other up. Can I have a cookie? Dude, it's a party. You can have, like, ten cookies. You can't just keep him. He's not a goldfish. Is he feeding you? What are you eating? Don't answer that. My great shame as a writer is that I'm just this suburban kid with good parents. Hardly Dickensian. You know what I'm saying? Totally. It's not easy to be adored. You're worth the adoration, Annie. You're worth it. Let's be people who deserve to be loved, who are worthy. Go get yourself loved. You're my best friend. With gratitude, the universe is eternally abundant. Thank you. No, thank you. More, please? I'm so excited. I'm kind of excited. I'm totally excited. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Katie Rich of Cinema Blend, and this evening's guests, Josh Radner and Malin Ackerman. Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. Hi. <clears throat> I gotta pull my skirt down. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Josh, everyone in here is a New Yorker, so I think it's okay for you to admit that you just made this movie because you miss New York and you were really ready to come back and film a movie here. This is it's right? true. It's weird. I wrote it in LA, and uh, my producer Jesse Hara, who's one of my best friends, he said you need to write a love letter to LA because everyone's always making these movies, these great movies about New York. You need to write a love letter to LA because we really like LA. I really like Los Angeles, actually. Don't throw anything at me. Um, people in New York hate LA. I don't know why. Um, but uh, I ended up writing a kind of love letter to New York with people arguing about New York versus Los Angeles. That's one of the kind of subplots of the thing. So, um, and it also allowed me to spend, you know, in 2009, I think I spent five months out of the year here. So that was great. I love New York and I don't hate Los Angeles is the moral of the story. And Mala, what had your background been, either shooting in the city or living here before you kind of signed on to this and jump into New York in the summer to film it? Um, 
I love New York so much. I should wear that T-shirt all the time. <laughs> I um, and I also love LA, but but I have spent a lot of time in New York. I've never lived here. Only when I've shot films here have I been so lucky to to be in New York, and especially in the summertime, I love it. I'm from Toronto. I grew up in Toronto, so for me, that's kind of East Coast, and I feel more at home here. It feels very similar to Toronto, but I, I just it was one of the most amazing summers. We had such a great time, such a good good movie and good cast and crew, and and New York was kind of a cast member. You know, it was a great backdrop. Yeah, I mean, New York is kind of famously hard to shoot in. There's always someone getting your way. I mean, what was that experience like? Not just shooting in the city, but on the streets, on stoops. You know, you guys are always out there. You got people taking pictures or yelling at you from across the street. Yeah, we had, uh, there's this great scene with Malin and Tony Hale where they're walking down, it was 7th Street, I think between 1st and A. And there's a guy who has like this kind of antique shop and he wouldn't turn the music down like we had to pay him off, but like a lot, like kind of a lot of money, like way more than we were making. Like this guy did better on the film than we did and before he would turn his music down. And then, you know, like Tony and Mullen stopped at one point and Tony just stops and he turns and he just breaks the scene and he calls me over and he's like, can you tell the guy to not be standing in the doorway watching the scene? Like he was, but then there was this amazing thing where they froze right in front of his place and there's this fluorescent heart right behind them, uh, like neon's like heart, right behind them, in between them. And there were all these like happy accidents because you're shooting in New York. Like that was just the street we randomly chose. I mean, it's a great looking street, but then, you know, th this thing happened. So there's annoyance and there's also like magic that happens when you shoot in New York. And do you remember the scene that got cut out with the train going oh, yeah. by all the time? <laughs> this is Mullen's really, favorite. That is really great. Mullen and I had a scene <laughs> on the rooftop um, where Sam and Annie are smoking a little pot and they're talking about life. And I thought it was like the pivotal scene of the movie. And in editing, I ended up cutting it just because it, it was my fault. Like it was a more reflective scene when the movie no, was calling was for really some momentum. No, it was part. fantastic. It's She's really amazing. And it'll be on the deleted <laughs> scenes in the DVD. But there was a train. We were shooting in Chinatown. And there was a train, an elevated train that kept going by. Dude, like every five minutes. Every five minutes. She was losing her mind. And I was like, you know, don't get mad at the train. Get mad at your mother. Like, <laughs> I was like trying to have her put it in the scene. But we did like a 32-minute take, which was ridiculous. Yeah. And she, uh, I got yep. what I needed. The yeah. scene's great. I love Josh so much, but that was the only time ever that I wanted to kill him. Because he said it with a smile that's on good. his that, face. That's good in terms of a film if your <laughs> leading lady only wants to kill you once. Well, yeah, I mean, you're not only doing it in these scenes with each other, you're also behind the camera directing. And you said you had written this originally just to star in, and then at a certain point you realized what, that you were too close to it to let anyone else direct it, that you felt like you needed to handle it. What made you make that leap to saying, okay, I'm going to direct for the first time and make my own movie and also star in it, which is not easy? Yeah, I did a lot of readings in New York and L.A. with actors that I that I admired and also knew. And everyone was pretty game. You know, I'd be like, come over to my house. There'll be wine and crackers and we'll sit around and read my script and I just kind of learned what was working what wasn't working I also found that I could talk I could talk to people about what the tone of the script was in a way that I didn't I started not to qu quite trust that someone else would be able to do that and I just I thought I might be an incredibly annoying on-set presence if I wasn't the director like can I just say one more thing to the actors and be like oh my god um, so at a certain point you know people involved just started to think like it's, it's really important for you to direct it and you know it's that's one of those leaps of faith that I had to take and other people had to take. There's no evidence that I could have pulled this off. And if I did one thing right, it's I surrounded myself with amazing people, both in front of the camera, behind the camera. And um, so it, it, you know, you're doing a lot as a director, but it's really 
community, you know, you're forming this little community where everyone's pitching in and bringing their amazingness to it. So, um, yeah. And then I fell in love with directing. So we'll see. And he was a great director. Really, really. F- it was amazing to watch someone direct and act at the same time or simultaneously. I, 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 it was incredible. I mean, just trying to act in a scene is difficult enough. And then, you know, directing is you, you are the glue that keeps the whole cast and crew together and going. And I mean, but, but Josh did an amazing job. It's probably it really confusing great. at times. Didn't it you and Kate say you didn't know if I was directing or at certain acting points, or certain you're points. in a scene and he'd be like, okay, great. Now do it one more time. And you're like, why are you telling me what to do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're the director, eh? Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, Kate Mara's in this, uh, Zoe Kazan's in this, you've put together this great cast, and you've got uh, Malin, who I think you said that you took on the role because you fell in love with the character when you first read it, and I wonder what you, know, what you read about that and what made you fall in love with Annie. Wow, so much made me fall in love with Annie. Um, I miss her to this day. Uh, I really do. It's such a weird thing, but um, I initially was offered a different role in, in the script, and, um, Are you going to tell us which the, one? Or the, no? the small black child. Yeah. <laughs> and which, I kind of um, felt like it was out yeah. of character. I mean, it was, I, I, I thought it she was could do pushing it, she, it a It was a stretch. Bit. She didn't want to do it. I mean, I am kind of manly, but, you know, <laughs> I'm just kind of blonde. Um, no, but it was, uh, I, uh, it was, it was a different role that, that uh, was equally as, as wonderful, but I just felt like I had done something similar to it. And actually, the role of Annie was already taken by somebody else. Um, and, uh, and I just could not stop thinking about that role. I just thought it, she's so um, uh, vivacious and such a, 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 like a, a sunlight when she walks into a room and, and really just wears her heart on her sleeve. And, um, but at the same time is extremely complicated because she's a bald woman living in this world. And, you know, so for an actor, that's just like, you know, you've given me, you know, the, the most beautiful cake in the whole world and you get to eat it as well. Um, and so, you know, I, I was extremely happy to hear that the actress who initially was attached could no longer do it and um, flew in and, and met Josh and just convinced him that I could do this role. Meanwhile, I had no idea if I could. And, um, but I so just, much of this business is bluffing. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It's acting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to um, clarify, her character has alopecia, which is an autoimmune disorder that prevents someone from growing hair anywhere on their body. Yeah. yeah. Which, is, which was really interesting. And, 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 you know, just thinking of, like, what that would be like going through school and, and, and meeting boys and going through puberty and all that kind of stuff. As a bald woman, I mean, how would that shape you as a person? And it was just a really interesting role to take on um, and, and really dive into and, and create something special. And, and it's based on uh, a real friend Yeah, it's of based Josh's. on a really dear friend of mine who I, I, I've always been just... I've loved this, my friend, and I always <laughs> thought she would be a great character in a movie. So I started... I, it was one of the first things I conceived of in this movie. I said, I want to base a character on my friend. And... Um, you know, Malin, I told her, I said, look, this is the heart of the movie. I was so nervous about getting that right. And uh, we just met and talked and she saw pictures and she said, okay, well, I would definitely have to shave my eyebrows. And, we, you know, we kind of conceived of, it was, it was really interesting. I, you know, I t- took some pictures of her and I, she pulled her hair back and, and my producer, Jesse, sent them to uh, his brother, Josh, who's a graphic designer. And he, t- he took away her hair and we could see what she looked like without any hair. And it was like, oh, there, there she is. Like, it was this amazing moment. Did I send you those pictures? Yeah. 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 yeah um, it was awesome. 
but uh, I mean, she really, I don't know, like, Malin's whole energy changed with this character. Like, we did, I took her up to NYU where I went to um, grad school at Tisch, and uh, hey, <laughs> what are they called? The wild, wild, like, the purple, violet? They're violets, right? <laughs> you can tell how many games I went to. Um, big, big supporter. The booster. Purples. I was a booster. <laughs> um, the purples. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but uh, we, you know, I, I made her do all these kind of crazy physical lectures because I talked crazy. about, you know, that that her her, you know, that her energy is different. Her whole, you know, we talked about how she's her posture is worse. That she's kind of protecting her heart with her shoulders, and it was such a delight because I kind of had forgotten that. And then when I was editing her, there's a scene with her and an ex boyfriend of hers, Ira, in this bar, and there's all these profile shots, and Mullen's just like got this great slouch, and that's you know she doesn't quite sit like that. She's Look at it. She's glamorous. So um, it was great. I mean, she really transformed. It was a real delight and, uh, and testament to kind of what an actor can do when, mate- like when material meets the right imagination. It's really just... Meets the right director. I don't know what to say to that. Period. Well, and Mullen, you, you started your career as a model and you, you're an actress and obviously a lot of that is about your physical appearance and for this you're taking away, I mean your hair is a big part of your physical appearance and I wonder about, did that take a lack of vanity for you? Did you kind of have to take a deep breath and do it? Especially in, you know, there's a scene where we see the bald head and you had to wear the bald cap for it. What does that take to get into that? Well, first of all, I want to clarify, I was a catalog model. I was not a high fashion <laughs> model. <laughs> I wore like Winnie the Pooh pajamas in Sears catalogs, all right people? That's a job. Um, <laughs> it's a job. Again, it was slower. a great job. I loved it. Um, but, uh, but you know, I think that all of us, when we look in the mirror, we probably see something else, uh, uh, someone else than, than everyone else does. So, um, you know, for me, when I look in the mirror, I am this clumsy tomboy goofball that is not this glamorous model you know how you describe so for me actually when I became Annie I felt more like myself than I have in any of the other roles that I've ever done just because it was it's like you get almost like you get stripped down naked and it's just you and you're facing yourself and and there's nothing that is obstructing anything so whatever you say, it's heard right away because nobody has to go through all the layers of makeup and the hair and all the stuff that you do to present yourself in a certain way. This was just me or just just Annie, you know, and that was really, it was really amazing. It was I, really I remember cool. we, had a, we had a lunch and we were talking about this stuff and I, I, was, I was also worried just because perception of, you know, I, I, I think everyone feels silly inside like everyone feels like i'm ridiculous or i'm close like we all have a story in our head of like who i am and i have to hide that from the world but when malin and i started talking about just like basic insecurities of being a human being and self-consciousness and and she was very forthcoming about that and i was like oh this is great news because this movie is about people who are you know, a little bit outside themselves or kind of haven't quite inhabited the fullness of themselves. And, and I felt like to get an actor and, and all these actors, you know, who, are, who were up for that and really lay themselves bare. I mean, everyone has a scene in this movie that's just like, whoa, like really heart kind of open scene. And we got to capture it and it's preserved and it's this thrilling thing. So when Malin and I started having this discussion, I was like, okay, this is totally the right actress for this role. And it was, it was just great. 
Any Arrested Development fans out there? Tony. I bet there. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, let's, I can spot you guys a mile away. Let's talk about Tony Hale because I think people uh, are going to say that's Buster Bluth. What's you know yeah. he's in this movie well, playing part a of, lawyer. Part of the thing about this role was I said this part is watching someone go from a character actor to a leading man through the course of the movie. So what's really interesting about this, when, when Tony shows up, you go, oh, there's Buster. There's Tony Hale, crazy, funny Buster. And throughout the course of the movie, he reveals himself to be this like romantic hero. And most women who see this movie say, like, uh, never thought I'd say this, but I'm in love with Tony Hale. Yeah. Like, by the Get end, ready. I mean, yeah. And, and Malin, and he just had this magic together. Tony is a, I'm friendly with him from L.A. He had done a reading for me, and I just couldn't get him out of my head for the role. I just thought, who else is going to play this? What, what was your yeah. experience? No, he was amazing. And, and actually, one of our first scenes together is, towards the end, is one of our last scenes together in the movie. And I remember he was so nervous, and he's like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't usually do, like, this kind of heavy stuff and like and it's not really heavy but for him it was it was definitely serious and it's a very beautiful scene and I'm trying to break up with him and he won't let me and um, his performance is incredible but it was amazing to watch this actor who you know is so used to doing comedy and then walk in and, and do this phenomenal scene and really that scene you know every single woman who has seen this has come up to me after and they've just said so so that guy who uh, <laughs> Who wins you over? Is he here tonight? Can, is he single? He's. <laughs> he's um, ama- I mean, it's that good. I, I, he so was good a little uncomfortable because he's he's just asked to play those kind of goofy guys, you know, bumping into furniture and getting their arms bit off by seals. Wasn't that what happened? Yeah. <laughs> but he, um, I had to give him a little. I remember this day I gave him this little pep talk and I said, "Look, Tony, I know you play these goofy guys, but like that's not my experience of you personally. You're." I, f- I find you really charming and present. I said, I think you're really handsome. And like, I think it was just asking him to step into a part of himself that he already inhabited. I mean, that's who he is. But when it came, when the cameras roll, he's, you know, got a hook on his hand or whatever. Like, he's, j- it's just a different thing. So it, everyone on some level as an actor got to reinvent themselves in this movie. And, and his performances, th- this, this scene with Malin, and uh, I, I remember saying this at Sundance because it's this really great, beautiful scene where he kind of demands that she drop her defenses to him. And I told people at Sundance that that was the first scene they shot together when the, an hour after meeting each other. And uh, like you could hear a gasp in the audience because it's such an intimate scene. And for me, that's just an example of like what two great actors can do together, just, you know, kind of approximate intimacy. Maybe that's why people don't trust actors. But um, yeah. <laughs> Um, Mullen, you have this great line later in the movie where Annie is kind of at a breaking point and she says, I'm so sick of optimism, it's fucking exhausting. Which I, but the movie itself, kind of, it comes around and it is a very optimistic movie and the title, I think, says a lot about that. And it's, a, it's about real things and, and real people and having problems, but it's got this really sunny outlook without being shallow to it. And I, I guess, Josh, you writing that and then acting that, like, what made you guys want to bring a story like that that's real but also happy in the end? Um, you know, I, oh yeah, right. Thank you. I'll tell um, you what she says. <laughs> It'd be better if you did translate. I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's so hard to, uh, I take a look from, from, from sort of from the outside. I think it's, it's, it's just when, when I read this script, it, it's, it's such a, it speaks to so many people on so many levels. And <clears throat> of course I actually that it, that line is so great because there's something to be said about 
you know, if you're having a bad day, but you still have to go out in the world, you still have to be somewhat optimistic. You can't tell everyone to f, f off. Um, so, you know, it's, it, and it can be exhausting sometimes because all you want to do is just be grumpy and not do anything. Um, but I think it's so nice because Josh wrote this script that is, it's so real in so many ways and, and it's so relatable and, and there is the optimism, but it's not an unrealistic optimism. You know, I feel like every, everyone has, it's okay that we're all, we're fallible, that we're, that we're human and, and nobody's perfect and everyone goes through their shit. And, um, it's just, I don't know. It's just a beautifully written script. I love the dialogue. It just really came to life, really spoke to me. I, I was, um, I never thought the title would stick. It was just like a title I put on kind of on a whim when it, when it first went out to, to try to raise money for it. And people were like, I love the title. I was like, really? I mean, I, I, think it's kind of, I think the title is both an asset and a liability. Some people think it's the greatest thing they've ever heard and other people have like a serious allergy to it. So um, I, I've kind of come to, to love the title and I like the effect those words have on people. And, um, you know, I, to me, I was really just trying to make something that felt very authentic and felt like not cynical but also not sentimental or easy that it felt like it's, it's, it's that to, to kind of earn the happy ending. And I hope I'm not, I'm not spoiling anything, but the, you know, doesn't end tragically. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm always, re I'm always responding to people who I feel like are authentic. And, and sometimes one of the things that's really authentic about people is they say, Oh, I'm a mess. Like I'm, I don't feel great today. And I'm always like, Oh, I want to be friends with you. Cause it feels like that just feels honest to me. Whereas other people are like, I got it all figured out. And I'm like, uh, good luck. You're like, right. I, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what to do with you, you know? Cause I, I'm always kind of, you know, asking myself questions. I'm not super tortured. Don't worry about me or anything, but I, I feel like it's, you know, it's, it's hard to be a human being, really. I, I mean, everyone's going through their own version of whatever it is they're going through. And, and I, I feel like the kind of movies I'm attracted to as an audience member and the kind of movies I want to make are where you just see real people going through real things, you know? And I mean, it's fun to see like comic book movies sometimes, but they're, they don't, unless, they're, unless there's something real going on with them, they, they elude me, you know? So the movies that I love are like these... Or unless they're Watchmen. Unless they're Watchmen, which is great, which I haven't seen. Is it good? Is it good? She's great in it, I heard. Um, I heard. <laughs> I don't mean comic book movies. I meant movies you haven't been in. Yeah. That kind, those kinds of movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, the movie... Like, I just... On New Year's Day, I had some friends over, and we rewatched The Breakfast Club. I mean, come on. That movie is so unbelievably good and so honest and so, like... Emilio Estevez has that one take where it's like a 10-minute uninterrupted take of him telling why he's there and his father and, you know, what he did to the kid and the locker room. And it's just, like, riveting. And it's as good as I remembered it, if not better. Like, some things really, like, the years are good to them. And that's, that's one of those movies. So I, I wanted to make a movie that felt, you know, like, for me, like, like if I'm given the opportunity and resources to make a movie, I'm going to want it to be something that I'm like yeah, this is kind of like a snapshot of what I was feeling and going through. It's not autobiographical, but thematically, like these are the kinds of things I'm interested in. Like, how do we get out of our own way? How do we allow more love into our lives? How do we, how, how can we be kinder to each other? Like, those are really good questions to me, I think. Um, I think we're ready to take questions from out there. There's guys with microphones. Um, we have a mic, so just raise your yeah. hand and I'll run on. Oh, okay. Do That's you have these headphones in a different color? I feel like someone's going to ask. <laughs> we'll start in the back and then we'll come yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, this is the genius bar up here. <laughs> okay, well, I guess a lot. Um, I know that, Malin, you spoke earlier that you love New York, but you've never lived here, um, like, permanently, only when you're shooting movies. And definitely, like, um, you know, when I think about the movies you've done in the past, they're not as dramatic. They're a little bit more like, you know, you go see it with your friends and eat Hollywood. popcorn. Yeah, and um, this is definitely more like, you know, your character is bald. And I was curious if, um, you know, you would ever think about doing maybe like a Broadway role um, where you're acting dramatic piece. I would, I would love to. The idea of that scares the shit out of me. That's why you do it. Which is why I should do it. And I actually have, um, I've, I've planted that seed. I've already been slowly looking, um, but, but definitely, I might, I'm, I have spent the past two years doing a lot of independent films that are not comedic, that are a little bit more grounded and real characters because it's just so lovely, um, and that has really sort of, I have so many friends who, who are here in New York who do theater and they're so, they inspire me so much and, and I really look up to them and, and I, I would love to. Maybe I'll start with, with, with comedy on Broadway and then go to dramatic. Um, but who knows, maybe, it'll, maybe it will be a, a tragedy. And, but, but I would love to, I really would. It would be amazing, it would be a dream. <laughs> we have another one right here to your left. First of all, great job suiting up. Um, I didn't mean to. I, I, no, seriously, I just came from mistake. somewhere and I was going to change, but it's, if you like it, I'm happy. It's very handsome. Yeah. Um, this question's for both of you. Um, I'm sure it was hard getting into the industry. Um, can I hear a little bit about both, both of your backgrounds and some advice you would give to somebody trying to break in? Okay. Um, I started acting in high school when I was 16. I went to a small college in Ohio called Kenyon College that had a really great theater department. And I was always, I majored in drama. And every summer I was going to work at theaters. Um, most of my work before I started doing television was on stage. Um, and then uh, I went to NYU, go Violets. Um, I went to NYU to the grad acting program at Tisch for three years after school. So that's, how I, that's what moved me to, to New York. And then um, I got signed by my agent out of NYU that I'm still with today. And I was in and around New York for a few years, um, auditioning a ton and not getting a lot of stuff and getting some stuff enough to kind of keep me going. And then um, I was going back and forth between New York and L.A. for a while. I did some pilots and some guest spots out here, none of which, you know, kind of popped me in any way other than keeping me fed, kind of. And then, um, and then I got... Uh, I got, uh, I did, on Broadway, I did The Graduate with Kathleen Turner for a few months, which was a, a, a really big shift for me. Like, it kind of felt like I got a little more wind under, b b behind my sails, at my sails, something. Some, I'm looking for a sailing metaphor, if anyone can help me out. And, um, and then uh, How I Met Your Mother came about in like 2005, I think, and it was like my fourth or fifth pilot. And I, I just, and all the time, I was doing theater the whole time, but I just really had this feeling like, oh, this might be, this might be the one that sticks. It just had this great feeling, the cast, the energy among us, and um, the writers were so smart and young, and had never, they were Letterman writers who had never really done anything. It just kind of felt like, oh, this could be one of those magic things, and then, and then that, that just kept me suited up for a while. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I uh, didn't, th I initially wanted to be an astronaut and then it changed to, I really did. And That's then I was figure skating and I was about to go to the Olympics. Um, but then I discovered boys and parties. 
Uh, and uh, so I had many different incarnations in my life and actually was studying at university to become a child psychologist while I was modeling catalogs, Winnie the Pooh pajamas, um, making money to put myself th through university. And, uh, and then that turned into television commercials and guest star roles and didn't know what I was doing. I'm kind of working backwards, which is why I'm going from fluffy popcorn films, Hollywood. No, 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 but, but really, I mean, so much fun and I love it. It's amazing. But, you know, this is these are the films that really are the heart and soul of, of acting. This is, this is really great stuff that, that really scares me and excites me at the same time. And, and I wish I, I had known a long time ago, I would have loved to have gone to NYU and gone to Tisch. And I see Josh the way he works and I'm, you know, he really helped me with techniques and stuff because I don't have any, I don't, I haven't been, I'm not a trained actor and I'm I training now. I think you now. take direction better than uh, like as good as anyone like when we worked together she came over and we read through the script for hours and I just gave I just kept giving you little adjustments and you took them immediately so you have great technique I feel like you I mean you might not I just stole yours <laughs> I don't you know because I listened to you I was like okay great I don't know what I'm doing I hope you do I think you're but, selling yourself short but it was but you know and it, uh, but as far as I think the one thing that I can say to anyone who's starting everyone has their own journey and it is you know however but I think for sure, start, starting in your own town and really um, building a resume. And I see so many people now that come to Hollywood with nothing but dreams, which is awesome to have those dreams. And definitely you should go for your dreams. But I think it's important to, to have a base, to have something to, because a manager won't even look at you unless you have something on your resume or someone behind you or some really great casting directors or something. So you know, definitely have the dream and go for it because it can absolutely happen, but have some realistic sort of something to base it on as well, you know? I took it seriously like I was going to law school or medical school. I, I, I took it like that. Like I would go to the theater section, I would read like how to get an agent. Like I read that book. I read like how to talk to a casting director. Like I, I really studied it, you know? And I think a lot of people, because it's acting, it's like, People like I, I have this new film I'm getting ready to do, and I have two friends who have never acted ever, and they're like, "Can I audition for you?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I guess, but like, you've never done anything. I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm still learning how to do this." And they're great, and I will let them audition if they're listening. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I, it's one of those things that like because it looks like it just looks like life. There's a lot of people who think they can do it, but that's really hard. Like. It's like a lot of the, not to sell Oscar winners short, but like a lot of the things that like our award winners are like, you know, it's like I'm doing this and you, you know, you transform, but it's really hard. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I have no idea what that was, but I feel like I'm going to win an award for it I one day. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's, I think he assists a mad scientist like with that guy. But, um, but uh, you know, it's really, I noticed this on my show, like it's really hard to just be present and centered and to be the guy that everything's swirling around you know and it's di it's difficult you know to relax yourself like so much of school is like going to to get rid of your natural strangeness like my I got to school my shoulders were up here like I didn't know like I did all this Alexander technique and you know you really have to deal with yourself and you really have to deal with like emotionally who you are it's a very all-encompassing kind of training regimen like yeah it's it's a little nutty I don't I mean if you like something else do that we have another question for you in the second row, right over here. 
This is uh, for Josh. By the way, if you're looking for a sailing metaphor, maybe ask the captain. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> I'm seeing the captain on Sunday. How funny is he? He's Kyle hilarious. McLaughlin. Yeah, he's the best. He's so funny. Anyway, so this was your first movie that you directed, right? Are you going to direct any more movies after this? I plan to. If you guys all turn out and see it and support it so they let me again. Oh, it's a dog. We have another question. All of the animal kingdom is supporting us. All the way on your right. Hey, guys. Hi. Big fans of both of you. Um, you. But aside from that, a little bit more along the lines for Josh with, uh, with your directorial debut. Uh, obviously, it's, it's a much different scenario when you guys are acting in front of the camera. You know, it, you're creating something, but it's just different from writing it and directing it. So the differences in the two, and do you enjoy one more than the other? You know, I keep feeling like I have to make a decision, but then I'm like, wait, why do I have to? Like, I'm kind of, I'm doing, I'm doing both of them. And I, I was writing another script. I wasn't planning to be in it. And then it just was kind of not going well. And then I got this really strong idea that was based on just a little idea of something I imagined myself. Like, what if, I, what if that happened to me? And so I started writing this script that I wrote in four months. It just came very fast, but I'm really happy with it. And it was like for me to be in. It was one of those roles that I, I can't really give it to someone someone else so i'm doing it again um much to, i mean i think it's a little like childbirth you're like it wasn't that bad and then you remember like no this is horrible <laughs> um but uh I don't, I don't know i haven't given birth by the way i hear this is what i hear um so i you know i love acting and it's hard for me to walk away from just because i have so much invested in it and i feel like there's so much more for me to do in that world but the directing thing and the writing thing i mean the writing's great because as an actor you kind of got to wait for to get called off the bench, you know, like you got it. Someone's got to be like, we have an acting opportunity for you. Show up here and here's what you're doing. Writing, I, you know, I can wake up and, and I can spend my day doing that. And there's something very, I mean, as an actor and Malin would probably, there's a sense of powerlessness that is associated with it. And uh, until you get to a certain point where you can make more decisions. So I, you know, I loved direct, I mean, I don't know. I like it all. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, directing was particularly thrilling for me. Editing was amazing. And casting, like being on the other end of the desk, was like incredible. I mean, I felt bad for the actors coming in. I'm like, oh my God, I did this for so long. It's horrible. And I had like immense amounts of compassion for the people who were in the room because I knew exactly what it was like, which maybe all directors should be forced to audition. Yeah. Like, you know what they I mean? Sh they really should yeah. to be on both sides. Yeah. But you did, yeah. We have one more question right here on the end. Okay, uh, this is for Josh. So watching movies, I'm like very big on interpreting the message that's trying to be sent out and speaking to like the director and writer. I feel like it's a very big privilege and I get to ask you like, what kind of message are you trying, like what are you trying to send out with this movie, you know? That's a nice question, thanks. Um, well, uh, I mean, there's the title. There's, you know... I, I used to be a very ironic person. Like, that was kind of my mode of, of socially relating. And I found that it has limits, you know? And, and I think it was training to be an actor. A lot of people think it's about putting masks on, like that guy I did, who the, the Quasimodo guy. Um, but really, it, when you train, you realize it's about taking masks off. It's about being more vulnerable, more your real self. So through the process of training to be an actor and also wanting to be a more authentic person... Um, I just, uh, I found myself being attracted to sincerity more and less veils, less 
kind of deflection and, and sarcasm, you know, saying the opposite of what you mean. And I'm like, I kind of want to say exactly what I mean. And sometimes I talk to people that I don't know and they think I'm joking. Like I'll say something and they'll be like, are you putting me on? You're really, and, and, but it's true. Like, I think there's kind of a crisis of authenticity going on and it's, I just think it's really cool to tell sincere stories about people who are honestly going through something. And that's, you know, it's like movies are like the campfire, right? Like you sit around and you tell a story after like the day of hunting or whatever. And, and if I'm given the opportunity, you guys don't hunt. Uh, if I'm giving the opportunity to like tell a story, I, I want it to like, I don't tell ghost stories. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to make you feel like it's all going to be okay because I want to believe that. Right. Like, I don't want to believe that we're, you know, going to all be incinerated somehow whether by our own hand or after we're done, like, oh, here's your reward. <laughs> here's flames. Like, I, I just don't think about it like that. It's not a good, it's not a story I want in my head, right? So I'm trying to tell stories that have some grace and have some forgiveness and have some sincerity. And so people can, you know, when I walk out of a movie that I love, it's like, I, I call it like the good movie glow. You know, when you, you're, you're, you're totally altered by a movie, you walk out and you're like, everything just feels a little different. And I love those movies, and I, and I want to make those movies. All right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, Josh Rodner, Mala Nachman, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you once again. J-Mays Music is available in iTunes, by the way. Don't forget, happy thank you more, please. This uh, Friday, New York and L.A. Guys, thank you so much for coming out again tonight. You have a wonderful time, and we'll see you next time.